gosh, like, I look back on that now thinking, yeah, we, like, we were, we were young. I, it, I mean, we got through, like, thank goodness we had people around us giving us good advice, but I think if I had known the scale of what I was getting myself into, I maybe would have been a lot more scared to say yes. Hello and welcome to the Together podcast, a conversation about faith, justice and how to change the world. I'm Dan and today I'm joined by Emma and Chris. How are you doing today, guys? Good, thank you. Yeah, doing good, thanks. We've just had our Christmas team party, haven't we, with a difference, not together around a table sharing Christmas food, but all in our separate houses eating takeaway, which was in a way equally glorious and playing Christmas games, but it wasn't quite the same, was it? It wasn't quite the same, but you know, less judgment for how much you eat, because no one can really see, unless you're showing it to the camera. <laughs> I enjoyed it because I won the game, the the music quiz, the music round. Mm, that was impressive, actually. Really proud of myself for that one, never win. Yeah, not the film round though, right, Emma? No, I struggled with that one, to be fair. <laughs> what did you put for Muppets Christmas Carol? You put... Uh, Sesame Street. Uh, <laughs> Scrooge. <laughs> similar, very, very similar. Yeah, I mean, both parts of that weren't, weren't far off, but it was completely wrong. It was. <laughs> I watched Muppet Treasure Island the other day. Superior, wow, yeah, superior okay. to Christmas Carol, if you ask Slow me. down, Chris. Slow down. It is. Slow I'm down. just putting it out there. Take it as you wish. Yeah. You're wrong, but that's fine. <laughs> I love how angry people get about Christmas movies as well. It doesn't. People don't really get that angry about other movies, do they, through the year? But when it gets to Christmas and people start criticising each other's favourite movies, it's it's a it's a real crime. <laughs> Great. So in this episode, we'll be hearing from the co-founder of Xena Launchpad, Cara Bennett. She spoke to us about the social enterprise and working with women in rural Uganda to transform whole communities through business. It's a really inspiring story, so make sure you give it a listen. But first, it's Emma's Dilemmas. Woohoo! Okay, so today the dilemma that I've got is, would you rather teleport to spend a day in your past as your younger self or a day in your future as your older self? So you can basically go back for one day and live a day that you've already lived or you can go a day in your future. Can I change anything if I go back? <laughs> you can change it in that day, but it's not going to have like a lifelong impact. Oh, that's boring. I want to like butterfly affect it and like, do you know what I mean? End up saving the world somehow. Okay. Well, you could try and save the world <laughs> in one day. <laughs> I feel like that'd be a great film, Chris. I feel, I think it might be. And I feel like it sounds highly original as well. <laughs> don't you think it's too complicated though when you do the thing where you like try and change one element because when you change one element it changes everything mm. that's definitely a film isn't it definitely yeah. i can't think of what it is but there's a film where like one tiny thing changes and then you come back and everything's changed. i'm pretty sure it is the yeah. butterfly effect no i've seen the butterfly effects it's not that well i mean i feel like it's a, a very popular or maybe it is i feel like maybe it's a it very actually. popular concept <laughs> <laughs> oh there's that film about time there's that as well yeah but that's more about perspective i think isn't it like if he's happier he's has a better day <laughs> i don't think that's right <laughs> i can't quite remember anyway okay so would you be your younger self that's a hard one i think the the place i go to first is the same place as chris of like go back tell myself like all these things that that can help me 
as I'm growing up. So like go back to when I was like 14 and just be and just say like, oh, you know, um, try harder at this exam. Uh, <laughs> That's don't do not this, working. Do that. that is not working. <laughs> no 14 year old's going to be like, oh, yeah, I will revise actually. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if you ignore yourself from the future, then there's no hope. I thought you were going back as yourself. Yeah. So yeah, so it's not like oh, you're me so... <laughs> Okay, right. Okay. Okay. So it's not like just me from the future appears to my younger self. I'm making this more complicated, aren't I? Yeah. Um, in which case, probably the future, just so I could see what's what the world would be like. Yeah. Because then you could bring that information back. No, you can't change anything. Like, oh. Oh, I'm not changing anything. I'm just, <laughs> okay. I, I would just know it. I would just know it. What if it's awful? Then I would just spend the rest of my life indoors. <laughs> on my own. Like crying. 2020 all over again. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Emma? Um, I think I would go back because I think the future will be too scary. <laughs> so I'd like to go back and then basically just have a day of being like really mischievous because you know when you're younger and you just take things a bit seriously like you think oh I'm gonna get in trouble for this but then actually it's just one day so you can do whatever you want so I'd like push people in swimming pools and like <laughs> I don't know just <laughs> okay so Emma would go back things. and drown people <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that version of Back to the Future. <laughs> just Edward Scarra <laughs> pushing people in the pool. Just like one day of carnage, but with no repercussions, basically. <laughs> Can I just say as well, I think that shows a bit of your personality and character. <laughs> your idea of a day of carnage is pushing people in a swimming pool. I think that's brilliant. Like for everyone else, it would probably be the, the bar would be much higher, but you're like, yeah, just push. They weren't expecting to get wet. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute carnage. <laughs> Well, you never know. It could be fun. <laughs> I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the future. I'm I'm with Dan. Mm. I wanna. Yeah. I'll, can I choose the day? Can I just be like what age? Year? Yeah. Oh, I have to choose the age. Uh, interesting. Choose the day if you want. I mean, it's hard to choose a day that hasn't happened yet. But maybe I'll just do next year. <laughs> just see if we're still in lockdown. March 2021. See if we're uh, <laughs> we're any closer to normality <laughs> exactly now maybe maybe i'll do like i do mid to late 30s probably i'm interested in that time what happens really? next yeah well i don't you don't want to go too old because then you're just old and also then you get spoilers for the rest of your life okay so chris you would go to your mid 30s dan you would also go to your future I, yeah i think i'd go to about 50 just to get a bit of a longer perspective and then do that thing where you just write down every sporting event so you can go back in mm. to your normal self and then put place significant amounts of money on the outcomes of them and then give it all to charity. Okay, great. Well, I would go to my past. <laughs> so as always, I'm outnumbered. Um, so we'll put that on Instagram and see what the votes say. Great. Thank you, Emma, for this week's dilemma. I'm going to go to the future one week and find out what that poll says just to see the results and whether Chris and I are right or not. Um, if you're listening at home, want to submit your own Emma's Dilemma, we'd love to hear from you. So head to We Are Tear Fund on Instagram and leave us a message. Next up, it's What in the World? Welcome to What in the World, where we discuss the latest in news and current affairs. Emma, what are we talking about today? 
Today, we're talking about the fact that Pretty Little Thing came under fire for their recent Black Friday sales. I don't know if you saw it, but you could buy clothes for as little as 20p. Guys, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I mean, it's no surprise that we're not big fans of fast fashion here at We Are Tear Fun, but 20p is insane. That's so mm. cheap. That's like, you can't even get a curly whirly for 20p anymore. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But I think it's really weird because, like, it's like you could get 20p clothes and then on the other end of the spectrum, like, you've got, like, Debenhams, Topshot, like, closing down. So it's this really weird moment of, like, okay, where do we place value in our society, in our, in our economy as a, as a whole? Because on the one mm-hmm. hand, yeah, no, there's no way you're paying anyone fairly when clothes are being sold for 20p. But on the other hand, do you have to support shops and businesses to make sure that people are staying employed it's i don't know it's weird conundrum yeah i think the context is really important because we are built on capitalism and we we have been and it's very very difficult for us as a society to to change tracks now because that's that's the route we're on but it needs to happen and so you see high street chains and and fast fashion outlets going out of business um primarily because of of covid uh, and that has a significant impact on jobs and what we actually need to be doing is finding solutions so you know we we often talk about the damage of fast fashion but at the same time we need to talk about the solution of moving jobs and industries into a sustainable context and that conversation's had a lot i know in scotland with some of the oil uh, rigs off the coast there's a significant amount of jobs that go along with that and a significant proportion of, of the economy that's funded by that. And so to say, okay, we need to get rid of them is one thing, but we need the solutions. And the solutions are out there, but it's important for all of us to to think a little bit about, okay, well, what is what is the response to this? I mean, obviously 20p dresses and clothes isn't sustainable if you think about who's hurting there in terms of where the money is coming from and where the costs are being cut. You know, it's not the shareholders because they're making the decisions. So it's it's really worrying when you look down the supply chain and think where that that money is is going to and, and not going to. Yeah, I think as well as consumers, it can be worrying because you can think, wow, 20p, I bet so many people are going to be like snapping up those deals. And then you kind of think, well, is anyone ever going to change their buying habits? And mm. But actually, I think now is the time for us to be even more vocal and to share even more ideas about how to um, shop secondhand and how to repair and reuse and recycle your clothes and just really make that voice louder um, and just keep going with it. I think let's not be disheartened. 100%. And it's difficult, though, because I always have this thing of like, the tension of holding our responsibility and Mm. people's wider responsibility and like organizations and government and stuff and it's like it's easy for us to be like well maybe we shouldn't buy a 20p t-shirt but then also the government just like expanded its spending on military defense by like 16.5 billion in a year where it's like there's not even like we talked about in the last podcast Marcus Rashford has had to be like begging people to give children food so it's like, in what kind of dichotomy is it that, on the one hand, we've got so much spent money for something that isn't, and arguably isn't even necessary, in, in a, especially in a world where everyone's trying to stay home anyway, don't know what you're defending. And on the other <laughs> hand, you're like, you've got people like being their bastard for buying 20p t-shirts. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, mm. neither, I don't feel like either are right, but there's definitely something not working together there. 
I mean, now is the time, isn't it, to rewrite how we do things as a whole, as those government budgets are, are shifting and the high street is is suffering and, and there's going to be a significant need for, for jobs. Now is the time for those in power and, and, and our leaders to be influenced by a brighter future. And the phrase build back better has been used quite a lot over the last nine months. And you know, I think now we're at that tipping point and it's important for us to make our voice heard for the parts of society and the parts of the world that we're, we're passionate about. You, know, you saw the government cut the aid budget um, from 0.7% last week. And, you know, that had a, quite a significant amount of backlash. And, and we need to be vocal about the fact that um, we we care about what's happening to people living in, in poverty on the other side of the world, just as much as we care about the people in, in this country. You don't have to choose. I mean, that's the benefit of having a, a percentage as an aid budget, 0.7%. If your economy shrinks, the amount mm. that you send abroad also shrinks. So to, to then cut it just doesn't make much sense. And 0.7% sounds tiny as well. Like, obviously, that's yeah. a big number <laughs> yeah. for a whole country. But yeah, in the grand yeah. scheme of things, you still got... Oh 99.3% you go. is spent in the UK. Exactly. <laughs> Quick math. So yeah, so you wouldn't think that really, like you said, that would be the thing that has to go. Like, if anything, this year is a year where actually we need more global collaboration and we need to be thinking more than just ourselves. So it's disappointing and hopefully that's something that could be reversed at some point. Great, thanks guys. Now it's time to listen to Chris's conversation with Carl. I'm Cara and I am the co-founder of Xena. It used to be Tribe and Glory, but we're now called Xena. And we are a social enterprise that works with female entrepreneurs in rural Uganda, believing that um, female entrepreneurs have the power to change stories of extreme poverty and gender inequality. Awesome. That sounds like an incredible day job. <laughs> How did you get started in it? What was the what was the inspiration? Well, it's, I mean, with all of these things, it's like, it's a long story. I mean, for me, um, this whole journey, Xena started in my gap year, classic. Um, but yeah, it started with a gap year trip to Uganda and um, it started with, with relationships, really. It started with meeting mm. girls who were my age from an extremely different background and you know, set of experiences in, in rural Uganda where I was serving like with a local charity and church. Yeah. Um, and just really honest conversations around um, our shared experiences and then like the things that were super different. And for us, what what just kind of captivated me and I couldn't like shake was the fact that these girls were just like us in that they had these like amazing dreams of like mm. transformational vision for their culture, for their community that they wanted mm. to see happen. And um, so, and yet we're experiencing just most incredibly difficult circumstances of yeah. the realities of poverty and the realities of lack of access to education and basic necessities. And, you know, as a 19 year old girl already having two or three children in some cases with mm. the girls that I was meeting and struggling to find employment or a way of serving like food, like simple, super simple things like that. Um, mm. And yet being like brimming with innovative, brilliant ideas. And so I, I left Uganda, I think just forever um, 
moved by the vision of the women that I was meeting, but also with a huge question, which was around like, is there a space for like market-based or partnership-based opportunity Mm. where these guys could genuinely be in the driving seat of change for their own communities? And I think it was at a time like um, when there's a lot of discussion and there still is like this transformation and definite like journey that I think charities, typical charities are going on with. What does it look like to do like intervention well or is it partnership like what is our role Mm. as an international global church and international community in terms of um trying to like fight for equality um and like the kind of typical pitfalls with that but I then went to uni and I guess this question was like still in my mind and Mm. I ended up writing my dissertation around the ideas of female entrepreneurs in rural contexts of poverty being like the gatekeeper to flourishing in these spaces and like Mm. the belief that actually if you know if Sandra can start her hair salon and if she is able to you know employ a couple of other women in her salon they all have employment and a stable income Mm -hmm. they can put their kids in school they can put food on the table they can pay medical insurance like these kind of things and so my like dissertation research took me back up to Uganda in my final year oh what was it second summer of uni at which point I met my co-founder who was working in a practical women's empowerment like program she was actually initiating a pilot of a market-based approach to seeing women's empowerment played out that timing incredible yeah I know (laughs) we became like the just like best of friends straight away but um we then you know it was that funny thing I was there for research and we would spend the days interviewing women. I think we we did mm. like 75, 100 interviews. Um, wow. And then our nights were spent typing up the trans, like the trans, like transcribing those interviews. Yeah. And with that, like those process of transcribing those interviews, we just had these conversations around, oh my gosh, these guys, like these women that we're talking to are totally the key to changing, changing this economy and yeah. seeing like the poverty cycle broken in this community. Um, but they are struggling and there were these kind of two consistent barriers that they were talking about. Lack of education, like the confidence and the lack of literacy to be able to go to a bank and get a small mm. loan. And then like the resultant lack of capital that that was meaning that they just didn't have the money to get that first rung on the ladder. Yeah. And so we ended up talking and throwing around ideas around this model whereby um, what would happen if you could give women really safe good stable employment for a short period of time where they can save 60% of their salary if 40% of it like puts them above the poverty line but it's not like super tons but it like Mm. it's better than what they're getting now but then 60% of that can be saved um like on top what does that um what would that look like if then they could graduate after like 18 months two years of employment and so that was the model that we went into so then I was going into my final year of uni I got a call from my co-founder, Lauren, and she asked me, she was like, look, I know you're applying for, for jobs for when you finish uni, but just like, hear me out. I mm. think there's a model here that could work, but we need both of us on it. Like, how about we do it? Like, please say yes. Like, pray about it. Let's let's go in on this all in. And so then, yeah, so then it was like, a like a, for me, it was funny. I remember, I'll never forget, like I came downstairs thinking my parents were going to be like, <laughs> absolutely not. Like, no, you've just finished uni. Like, this is where you need to actually start like earning, yeah. <laughs> earning a living. You need to do the thing. What now. was the plan? I think, I, oh my gosh, I was like looking down the barrel of like really 
not boring because I have so much respect for my friends who went into it, but it was boring <laughs> for me. Like I would have really struggled in that context, but like your classic kind of accountancy management grad schemes, yeah. consultancy grad schemes. Um, and to be fair, I really had, I really do think, you know, I had a passion at the time of just seeing like the kingdom come in any sphere. And I was like, Oh, it would be great. Like, you know, you're in this non-Christian environment, like you ask yeah. God to move. And so, you know, there was part of me that was still like, wow, that's an exciting prospect, but this just resonated on like a very like deep heart level. And I think on like a mm. spirit level, this felt like, Oh my gosh, this feels like I would love to do this. Like so much yeah. of like a heart's dream to do it. And I remember coming downstairs and my mom, lol, was on the ex- exercise bike. And I said to her, oh, mom, like, I just got off the phone with my friend Lauren. Like, she's out there in Uganda. And she's asked me if I'll start, like, if I'll be a co- her co-founder on this social enterprise um, for, like, women's empowerment. And, I, like, isn't that cool? And I remember so, like, so clearly expecting my mom to be like, oh, that's nice, never mind. Like, but no, she literally stopped the bike and looked at me and she was like, you need to pray about that. And I think just like having that immediate sense of this could be valid, like this actually could be real rather than it just being like a pipe dream or like an insane moment of whatever. So I went back to Oxford that final year with this decision and I said yes to Lauren. And then I had my final year of uni, had to try Mm -hmm. and like get through my finals, but really in all my lectures and tutorials, I was texting Lauren under the table (laughs) being like, we were having to buy land that year. We were constructing our HQ that year. I remember three weeks before my finals booking a flight to get out to Uganda because we were having problems with our construction. Mm. And oh my gosh, like I look back on that now thinking, yeah, we like, we were, we were young I, it, I mean, we got through, like, thank goodness we had people around us giving us good advice. But I think if I had known the scale of what I was getting myself into, I maybe would have been a lot more scared to say yes. But yeah. that was, I mean, that was uh, three, four years ago now. And so now, you know, the organization that we're running now is um, we have 40 five women I think now who have been who are either in or who have graduated our program and at the end of this month I'm really like fingers crossed if I can do it with the like restrictions but um I will be traveling back out for work to see another seven women graduate this year so we've now graduated 12 businesses and ranging from garlic agricultural farming to a shoe boutique to charcoal selling to stationary selling and we've seen um Ex- like these extraordinary women step into business leadership in this rural area in Kamuli. So it's been definitely a journey. Oh, I also haven't said, you know, the social enterprise part of it is in order for the women to earn a living, they mm-hmm. um, create a line of handcrafted jewelry, which is all made out of waste material. So it's recycled um, yeah. products that we then sell. And that is how we fund ourselves. Awesome. Wow, that is quite the journey. That sounds like so. I mean, you said you started that on your, on your gap year. It all kind of kicked off, uh-huh, and then yeah. just listening to you talk, it's like so much just vision, and you mm. being inspired by other people's vision, and your vision mm. coming out, and your friend's vision, kind of like <laughs> all coming together. Yes. What, where did that come from in the first place? Because it's easy to kind of say, you know, oh, I met these women out there who had yeah. similar similar ideas to to me, but where did those ideas even come from in the first place? Oh my gosh, that is such a great question. So I think, um, I would say firstly, what like Lauren, what Lauren was doing out there initially, which was piloting 
kind of this market-based approach where it was this like no handouts no loans was her thing and I was reading when helping hurts at the time such an important Mm. like book for anyone involved in overseas like inverted commas mission but um I remember reading that and that was age like 18 just turning my ideas upside down and I was questioning like why am I here like what am I doing like this is Mm. like this is maybe bad like this is maybe hurtful (laughs) like I'm challenging and I remember um we would I was sitting down with some of the leaders of that organization asking them like Everyone's so obnoxious at 18, but like really wrestling with some of those Ugandan founders being like, what do you mean empowered? Like, what does empowerment mean? Like, who's giving the power? Doesn't that mean we have to have power? Like, what is this, Mm. you know, word empowerment and really struggling Mm. and really ended up actually funny enough, like interrogating that in my dissertation. But Lauren's heart for just like really, you know, trade based Um, benefit like you know women working for their income at that early stage just like was so inspiring to me because I was seeing like okay there is no doubt that like extreme poverty exists like you can't just say like this you know regardless of how we're thinking about gosh like solutions um Mm. extreme poverty was is real and the effects are devastating and so to have like a real heart for the poor and like to have a heart for like God's like church and justice and like what does it look like to be living out redemptive values and for God's kingdom to come in this space like what does that look like in a way that then Mm. isn't like harmful and I was I think I was like really inspired by the role that like employment could have yeah um and just doing like really cool models of business but then really I mean the things that changed my life were making friends with the girls who are like kind of my age or just like around that and hearing from their experiences of what it was like to be young and like pregnant or young and a mother and to like just so strong and so much resilience. But I think like, gosh, I really, I was recognizing like we, and I still think this often, but we take for granted what it is to have been told when you're young, that you have a voice and to be told when you're young that you can make a difference. And I have been, and I think like, I mean, so much of our generation who, who have been in the church like, have actually grown up with an incredible blessing of agency, yeah. of being told when you're young, like, God has a plan for you. Like, he's going to use you, like, mm. you know, like joining God's story of redemption. Like, and I definitely was part of that, like, I want to change the world type generation. Yeah. And meeting girls who were, you know, my age, but had never been told that and yet still had like, these ideas that like, I just recognized, wow, my dreams have been breathed on, you know, from my parents to my teachers, to friends, to youth workers, to my grandparents, whoever it's been in my life who have stood with me and said, like, you can do this, or this is possible, you know, recognizing that for some of these girls, the truth was they were pulled out of school because their parents couldn't afford it. And if they could afford it, their brothers would go because they were just told Mm. you've got to get married so that you're not a financial burden to us anymore. And Mm. you're going to have kids. So you don't need to like learn. And Oh gosh. Like I think that on an emotional level, like making friends with girls like that just made me recognize in my own heart, the power of being told like your dreams have value and actually are possible. And so I think, Um, there was like a big thing in me that was just around like this, just the amazing power of belief in people and what like supporting people's dreams and aspirations can do. Like that sense of 
being someone to breathe on someone's dreams just really yeah. inspired me. And so for us, it was like, all right, I have access to friends who probably can afford some like nice earrings. Let's start with that. And that's what we yeah. sell now, earrings. So for, for us, it was like, okay, who can just like start this off for us? And it was so simple and small for us. Like, okay, these, I just want these guys to have a go and have a good, like a good running shot at the dreams that they have. Yeah. And believing like passionately that if these guys had the power in their own villages, their own communities, that, there could be this like suddenly like growth of conversation that would kind of spiral out and like towards mm. the, the better for everyone. And that I think, oh my gosh, has already been totally the case with the graduates we've seen. So the thing about this kind of thing is when you're, when you're starting a business or you're starting a, I don't know, charity or a ministry or whatever it is that like, if and we're a very entrepreneurial generation, mm. it's because we've been told our whole life, like, you can make a change. And I know yeah. I'm a product of that. And it's just really interesting because I'm, yeah. I think now I'm pretty critical of it and can like stand back and be like, oh, I'm not entirely sure if like we're actually meant to be the center of the story. But mm-hmm. I think that's like a thing entrepreneurial culture kind of develops. But I would just say in that, you can say like, this is the business model because these are the theories and this is the practical reality. But I think yeah. for a lot of us, like as human beings, things start out of relationship and they start out of like gut emotions. And mm-hmm. for me, that was, it was, it was just like, ah, oh, I've got this like burden or I've got this, like these relationships that are real and they have an emotional response. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think it's just so cool hearing like, you know, it's funny, the hesitation around the word empowerment. <laughs> but like, yeah. like now I'm just so conscious of it. But like your mom kind of <laughs> giving you that moment of being like, yeah, pray about it. Not yeah. like, a, I'm not going to shut this down. And like you talking to the girls and be like, yeah, like yeah. this is what you can do. Yeah. Talking to Lauren and being like, okay, cool. Yeah, that sounds actually, oh sounds crazy, but kind of possible. <laughs> Ser- yeah, oh my gosh, dude, seriously. We had this, I will never forget this one exact like very specific moment I was stood up uh, actually I was meant to be revising in the library in Oxford and um I got this text through from Lauren being like I'm in Uganda like which obviously she was in Uganda she's like I'm in this village called Kamuli I need to speak to you right now and this was when we were looking at the time to connect this was beginning beginning pioneering this project and at the time mm-hmm. I think our aspiration was like look to start it off like as risk free as possible, we're just going to find another local organization that has a spare space and we'll mm. run it out of their space. And I got the text from Lauren and I remember like having to run out of the library and it was pouring with rain and I was like stood outside of the library where I could just about get enough Wi-Fi to like FaceTime mm-hmm. audio her, but also like kind of not be in the pouring rain. And I remember her yeah. being like, dude, there is nowhere for us to run this out of this organization space. Like, we need to build like if we're going to get this going we have to build a building and I remember being like what like we can't construct a building we can't I don't know how to do that like are you joking that's going to be so expensive like I don't even know like we'd need to find an architect or a constructor like how do we how does that even begin like I think we were so early days I didn't understand how that could even become a possibility but yeah in that moment, Lauren had like just so much courage and she was like, well, other people do it. Like if other people can build, (laughs) other people can build a building, we've just got to figure out how they did it and just do it. Like there's just like, what's the next step? And now we say that all the time, like, okay, what's the next step? Because for us at that beginning, beginning space, that like little dream that suddenly realized, we realized like, oh my gosh, we've got ourselves in for something like that's pretty serious. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, had to just take that first yes and trust that um, 
yeah, if you know, that there's got to be like a way, a way in. And, mm. you know, if you can kind of find that with like faith and courage, um, I think you can actually get like pretty far. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it reminds me of like, I never did it myself, but I remember at uni they would have, I can't remember what chariot it was, but they had have this like escape challenge. Oh where basically my you just have to yes. get as far as you could without paying for anything. <laughs> oh my and, gosh, um, yes. And I think it's just such a good like illustration for sometimes how you have to walk out of vision. Like it's great to have yeah. like a big picture and it's great to think like five years down the line, 10 years down the line. But yeah. even like you said yourself, sometimes if you know 10 years down the line, you're going to be shook. <laughs> but no, no, no. I don't know <laughs> yeah, how to know. do that. <laughs> you <laughs> so have it's amazing. to look at the next thing for sure. Yeah. It's just awesome. Yeah. And you talked a bit about relationships and how important um, they were even sparing both of you to start this. Could you speak a bit more on kind of some of those relationships you have with mm. the women who, who are part of the program or who've graduated? What are some yeah. of their stories if you want to share? And, and yeah. how has that been kind of like seeing them develop for it? Mm. Gosh, yeah. Um, oh, it's, I miss them so much. Like this has been a long time to be away from the team. But it's funny, like I think, you know, that first, we started and in the back house of our Little, while we were waiting for our building to be built, we started off this program. We held open interviews in what was like the back house, like an outbuilding to where we were renting for me, Lauren, and our first member of staff, our country director, who had miraculously, it was actually a miracle. God came to her in a dream and told her to say <laughs> yes to this ridiculous wow. proposal to like agree to being our country director. And um, she, it was the three of us. And in the back house, we interviewed over 100 women for that first like period it was it was 10 places it ended mm. up being nine um but we those first nine are at the end of this month all nine of them will have come like come full circle they'll all have graduated awesome. and for for us like I think those were the ones that we had the like closest relationship with because they were the first and we were in it together learning figuring out like what is it that we all like need or what is it that I mean these guys need to start their businesses I mean even still we're very much like in the weeds with all of the women's businesses because it like really matters to us but one of the girls like um Susan she just graduated last month with her shoe shop and she's my age so she's now 25 and she started this process being like look you know what I'm a at the time she's 22 22 year old girl and there is nowhere to buy shoes in Kamuli and I just mm. think there should be a shoe shop in Kamuli. And um, she had this aspiration of, I want to have like a really like good shoe shop. And she was going for excellence right from the beginning. Mm. And for her, um, you know, her, I mean, we've done this journey with her now. And she's, I think the reason she's inspiring to me is because she's never settled with um, like the standard of the community that she's in. So there's no shoe shop in Kamuli. And the, the shops that are there that are like more boutique or like have clothes. Um, you know, it's things like maybe they don't have shelves and like the hangers are hanging on the side of the, sh- the shed rather than like out. But she was like, no, I want my shoe shop to look like the shoe shops in Kampala. And so she made this incredible shelving space completely herself. And she was strict wow. about it too. Cause we go through all of the budgets with them being like, guys, like if we cut on this number of hangers for example then you can graduate earlier because you'll have enough money and then there's this like debate the women will be like no I really want 
I really want this or so I'm going to stay in mm. for this amount of time so I can earn the money for that and for Susan like we had this big back and forth about her shelving because she was like I really want these shelves and them to look like this and yeah. um yeah and her like resultant shoe shop is so extraordinary it's getting like talked about in the community because people are like that shoe shop is like nothing we have here and yeah. it looks so professional she's taken so much care over it that that level of just like aspiration it challenges me it really challenges me that like she's not willing to settle she wants to go for like the fullest most possible um you know part of her dream and I think that's really like worth celebrating but then I mean the the thing that's powerful is when like stories with for example Jennifer's another one she's slightly older and her she was illiterate when she joined the program and her heart Mm. is for women who are like her who haven't ever accessed schooling and so when she came on the program, she had to sign her name with her thumbprint because she couldn't, like, she'd never been taught, like, how to hold a pen yeah. or write her name. And she'd experienced significant stigma around this and really yeah. felt, like, this sense of I'm not good enough or, like, I can't get a job in the normal workplace because I can't write my name. And so her business is a cattle farm. She's about to graduate at the end of this month. Um, and she's employing specifically illiterate members of the community because she's just like I don't I like I want to be a part of the story of transformation for this and we have other um you know for example also her son is deaf and so she's now being able to afford for her son to go to a special needs school which is so Mm. like so rare in rural (laughs) eastern Uganda so I just like really um, I just admire this like yeah the stories of transformation that these guys are writing for sure um and yeah, I just think the the relationship side, not only from, you know, the privilege of getting to know these women for myself, but I would say internally in the community that that we have now as a mm-hmm. team, as Zena in Uganda, as I said a bit earlier, I think that those immeasurable things like, yes, these women now can afford to put their kids in school. Yes, they're now earning enough, like that puts them above the poverty line. Yes, they can afford um, to like re-clad their roofs with iron sheets you know really important practical things but I think one of them again like understated parts of the program that is so powerful is they now have a community of support and a network Mm. of like confidence building people who will um yeah I guess like look after their kids when they're sick but also like this is definitely like a discipleship process as well that has come out like really naturally from the relationships that have flowed and you know we have situations where women have taken friends to church as a result of meeting on our program and then have got saved and like come to know Jesus Mm. and that happened to one of our women who was her husband was actually at the time like an alcoholic and that comes with like a ton of shame as well in the culture but um she started praying for her husband and he now got saved. He got saved and now they pray together every single morning before she comes to work. And I just think, oh my goodness, like the power of these relationships is so important. Um, And simple things like, you know, at the beginning of the day, we start with um, registration and we realize that if you get one of the team, one of the women on the program to be in charge of that registration where she has to stand up in front of the staff, in front Mm. of the women, in front of the security team, and take that register, introduce the day, say a prayer of blessing. That is such a powerful tool for confidence Mm -hmm. boosting. And we've seen like this incredible transformation of some of the younger members of our team 
particularly just come into their own and really, you know, become women who are ready to like barter across the table and enter into rent negotiations with like scary land ladies or whatever it is. (laughs) (laughs) um, Yeah, I think relationships just change us. So for us in terms of like being, you know, like entrepreneurs or like running a, a business, I think a lot of it is around not shying away from like ambitious dreams and it's so ironic because of course like it's what we're having to learn from the women themselves that we're working with and so you know if there's ever going to be an example of like you know being brave in business I just need to look at Susan and her shoe shop and that gives me so much more confidence and I think again like when you're going into something our journey in terms of growing this thing has just been like this massive I think like a massive miracle story. Like we went into this knowing like we were never going to be able to do this unless God came through. And from start to finish, like the thing that gives us confidence at the end of the day is knowing that like God says he has gone before us. Oh, like one of the most transformational moments of like learning how this could work for us was we were in New York on this rooftop in Manhattan looking around. I remember we were praying because we were there for um, 10 days of pitching what was our new collection to different like boutiques, press outlets. Yeah. We were having meetings at like Condé Nast with Vogue and like big press people, as well mm. as um, we were asking our publicist to try and get us a meeting with a department store. Our publicist had been like, girls, I'm really sorry. This is so <laughs> unlikely. You're kind of like shooting too high. Like really, if you're a brand, like they're not going to look at you until you're about three years old. Mm. And I remember we prayed on this rooftop and we were looking around. And if you've ever been to Manhattan, it is an extraordinary, like it's overwhelming with how like the city like screams of power and like influence. Yeah. And we looked around at all of this extraordinary like wealth. And I remember feeling this sense that God was saying, I am the one who opens doors. Like like I am actually the king of kings on the throne. Mm. And we then like in this moment of just faith, I remember Lauren saying, I feel like this department store thing is something God wants us to contend for. Like I just have faith for it. And I think God wants us to ask him for it. Mm. I remember we decided to just walls of Jericho it. And we decided we were going to walk around the Bloomingdale's (laughs) flagship (laughs) on 59th street (laughs) and Lexington seven times every day for 10 days. And we did it literally like every single day. And we, some days had to like Uber across town to do it. And it was probably (laughs) not a super great use of our time in terms of if someone was going to make a timesheet of how we were spending our days. But we did this thing. At one point we were worried about getting like caught on CCTV, like looking like we were casing the joint for whatever reason. (laughs) But we, we did this thing. We walked around this, this building. We were praying like crazy. I remember we woke up on that final day and Lauren, we both like really preserved like quiet times. I remember Lauren after quiet time, like we were just having coffee. She was like, dude, I just have this really clear sense like of how um, the Israelites, when God parted the sea, they walked through on dry ground. It wasn't like they had to kind of trawl through, Mm. I don't know, like a meter of sea. They walked through on, on dry ground. God made it possible and actually like accessible for them. Yeah. And she was like, I just think this is a sign like God's gonna, gonna open this door. And then we got an email from our publicist being like, guys, get yourselves over to the Bloomingdale's offices. I've got you at 9.30 a.m. with the fashion director of Bloomingdale's. And so, of course, you can imagine, like, we threw everything into the bag, like, (laughs) didn't even have a time to, like, choose our outfits and just legged it across town. We went into this meeting. 
so nervous, but like just so excited to get this opportunity in front of the fashion director. And I remember we laid out our products and as we were laying out our products, the fashion director came in and I'm not kidding. She didn't even take a breath. Like she didn't even introduce herself. She immediately like came in, took a beeline to the products and was like, oh my goodness, I know exactly where these are going to go. And I remember so clearly she was like, get the buyer, get the buyer. And she's like calling outside, like, can I have the jewelry buyer up here? And so then we had the women's fashion director and the jewelry buyer in that room with us, with our publicist. And they were like, oh my gosh, it's perfect. Da, 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 da. And then they finally said to us, guys, this is amazing. Like we're doing a collaboration this summer with Disney for the launch of the Lion King. And we've been looking for horn jewelry from East Africa. Tell us about the like story of this product. And so uh. we we got to tell them about how we're a nonprofit, like 100% of our proceeds goes towards what we're doing from like the impact standpoint. And it's all waste material and like it's, you know, ethically made. And yeah, we walked out of that with a order and exclusive just like sign up, signed off on. And in the elevator on the way down, Chris, our publicist at the time, turned to us. He was like, I've been in this industry 20 years and I have never had a meeting like that in my life and for us it was just such a mark of God's favor and his stamp of approval just saying like I can open any door like just have Mm. faith like let's go for it together like when we gun with what the Holy Spirit is doing when we just say yes to what God can do I think that suddenly we find ourselves in spaces that really only he can make happen that's incredible I mean what a story what a journey and I think I mean you said it yourself the whole journey sounds like it's been this kind of miracle thing mm. I would love to talk with you so much longer I feel like we've only <laughs> just cracked the surface but I mean a couple quick questions just because I'm aware of time but yeah firstly uh, what have you learned in this process so far like if someone listening to this was like you know what I have a vision to do something whether it's in the same industry whether it's completely different what advice would you give to them Uh, I would say a little bit what I said earlier, like you have to just say the first yes, like you have to just take that. What is the first step on this journey? Just do that. Because when you think about like the big vision, I think we can sometimes get overwhelmed by how we're ever going to build that, you know, build that building. That was what Mm. it was for us. And I think the first step was calling an architect really simple. Like there's always a first step, like literally Googling on our phone, like architect, East Africa, Mm. Uganda, you know, whatever it was. Um, And yeah, just having faith and just taking that first step. And I think I've heard it said so many different times, but at the beginning you have, um, you're more willing to take risks because you've got less to lose. And I think Mm. that is an incredible power that shouldn't be understated. Like so much so that people who have founded massive corporations talk often about like wanting to recapture the like spirit of the beginner and that kind of thing. And isn't that interesting that when you're at the starting gate, you don't really think it's a superpower. You think that it's your weakness. And actually Mm. you can see then people who have made, like made it in inverting commas, but trying to recapture that spirit and I think that I I try and remember that all the time of like okay I'm at the beginning so that means I've got something that other people are trying to like harness let's let's cold call like this many people if that's what it takes and just you know you you have that opportunity to run in it in at it with nothing to lose I love that great advice and what's next for Zena what have you got planned I mean, I know it's been a wild year, <laughs> difficult has. to make plans, but what is in the pipeline Well, um, Well, I'm pumped that we've got women graduating for one thing. That's so exciting. Mm. Um, and then the big thing right now is we're looking to replicate. And so we're um, 
actually having some really exciting conversations with different organizations um, in different places in the world where they're like interested in this this model and you know Lauren and I really believe that this could be like rolled out or satellited out and see this model of female entrepreneurs like changing the stories of extreme poverty in rural communities in other contexts I just I think that um, this model has power and I, I would love to see it replicated Um, And then we have some super fun collections coming next year as well, which I'm buzzing about. So, yeah, I'm excited. (laughs) Where where can we keep up with everything that you're up to? Uh, You can follow us on Instagram. It's at the Xena brand. It was great listening to Cara's story. What stuck out to you guys? I love what she was saying about just going one step at a time um, because I think sometimes that can just be really overwhelming when you've got the bigger picture in your head and maybe you're a visionary or you're creative. You can get overwhelmed by everything that there is to do and all the details and everything along the way. But actually, I love what she was saying about if she actually knew the full details, if she had the full vision, she would probably have been too scared to do it anyway. Um, So it was good that it was kind of revealed to her one step at a time and she was just able to do what she had in her hands at that moment. For me, I think it was um, when Carol was talking about the amazing privilege we have of of growing up with with agency we're told we can do anything and she made two really interesting points one was not everyone around the world gets that so cherish it and realize your privilege you know we we have this privilege and we can use it in one of two ways we can think that we are the center of the story and that everything is revolving around us or we can use that agency to do good and to leverage it for people who have less agency in the world I thought that was really inspiring yeah definitely and I think for me listening to her story the thing that stood out the most was just how important relationships played a role throughout the whole time and continue to and I feel like it's easy to kind of you know when you think about poverty alleviation or you think about even volunteering overseas uh, it's easy to kind of think from that saviour complex and thinking okay I'm going over there to inspire people or I need to help those people but actually for Cara a big part of her journey was learning from people who she didn't expect to learn from it was going to communities and actually seeing women her her own age who are now like helping those communities themselves uh, through the way that they've developed and the way that they strengthened their businesses and their entrepreneurship so yeah I just think it was really clear to me from that conversation just how important relationships are for anything that we do going forward great thank you Emma and Chris for joining me and thank you to those at home for listening in we'll be back again on the 21st of December with our final episode of 2020 it's going to be a lot of fun so keep your ears out for that in the meantime if you like what you heard today make sure you hit subscribe and follow us on Instagram at we are tear fund 